if we if we don't do it, we're permitting them, like we're permitting criminals to continue. We do a pretty dang good job at telling people good job when it wasn't. That that aspect of like proactive policing is gone. Every generation looks back on the previous generation of the things that they were doing and says that was dumb. I feel like you'd be losing your credibility at that point. Maybe. Maybe. I don't really have any, though. Yeah, yeah neither do I. Yeah, it's, you know what? It's okay, then. That's, I feel like this is good. Welcome back to Surviving the Street, where policing meets personal growth, tough conversations, and partially filtered stories of real events. With me today on the podcast, I have a fellow law enforcement officer of 16 years. He began his career in 2007 and promoted to the rank of sergeant in 2017. He has worked patrol, reactive investigation, and crime suppression as both an officer and a sergeant. He is a graduate of the University of Houston Clear Lake and has a bachelor's and a master's in history and is currently working towards a second master's in humanity. Thanks for being here. Thank you. appreciate it. I know it's been a couple scheduling conflicts, but good to be here. Yeah, great. Good to have you here. Um, what are you doing with that history degree? <laughs> uh, you know, it's just a, it's a means to an end right now. Uh, the plan is to, you know, I only got so many days left here on, uh, in, in the current position. So, uh, my plan is to hopefully try to get a job, uh, after, you know, policing, uh, public school, uh, maybe as an adjunct professor or something like that. And then, hopefully transition that into school administration. Uh, who knows, maybe high school principal or something like that. So along the same lines, but, uh, you know, different, different atmosphere. So that's the, that's the plan. My neighbor's a principal. Oh, nice. Maybe help you out. Oh, Hey, you know what? After this, let's go over there and we'll just introduce ourselves. Let's go get them right now. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's do it. <laughs> um, my next question is how many civil war reenactments have you? Oh, Oh, man. So zero. Uh, I, I will say uh, without a doubt, zero Civil War reenactments. But uh, I have been known to dabble in the the World War Two uh, reenactments. Uh, I've done a few, um, probably too many to count. Uh, currently, I do what's called uh, like immersion reenacting. So it's it's pretty, pretty uh, nerd is nerd esque. Uh, I enjoy it, but it's Basically, like surviving in the woods with everything that a soldier in World War II would have had, uh, down to like sleeping arrangements. I've slept on the ground in the desert. Uh, I've slept in underneath some trees once with just a wool blanket and a poncho. So uh, you learn you learn to adapt. Uh, and at at my age, it's not so easy getting up uh, at five a.m. after you've been laying on the hard ground under a tree with a wool blanket and a rubberized poncho, but you figure it out. So a lot of appreciation for those guys that, uh, that did it in real life, knowing that, uh, you know, they may not have been able to make it back, but kind of put some things in perspective for me as far as, uh, like, you know, challenging yourself. Like I've always been a real, like, I'll, I'll go camp. Like where's the nearest hotel? Do they have a buffet? Like, is there air conditioning and this and that? And, uh, like in the last two years, I've been really, kind of pushing myself so um it's it's been fun i enjoy it it but like i said it's only because it's like three or four days it's not it's not like you know long term i know i can get out of it whenever i want so is there is that just the experience of that or is there it's like training or is there actually like reenactments too also built into 
Yeah, no. So there's there's reenactments built into it. So uh, we do one. Um, it's a it's like Southwest GIs. Uh, it's a group that um, is like a bunch of Colorado guys, uh, Texas guys. You know, pretty much uh, in this little area. Um, and we do different reenactments. So we did one in March in uh, Rio Dosa, Texas, which is like right along the Texas-Mexico border, about three hours east of El Paso. Um, and uh, we do a North Africa event. So there's, you know, you go out there, you we have pyramidal tents that are like World War II spec tents, and you bring your sleeping gear. We eat like as authentic as we can, you know, so if, if it's, you know, reproduction, like K ration boxes, we'll eat whatever we can. Uh, and then like every day you have an objective. So we're digging foxholes and putting up machine gun emplacements. Uh, we get attacked like, you know, simulated reenactments. Um, there's no crowd there to watch it. So it's just a bunch of like, imagine like if I told you, Hey, do you want to go play like Cowboys and Indians? Like it's expensive, but it's a lot of fun. You know, you get the camaraderie of, you know, meeting guys from all across the U S and, uh, and so that, like, that's, that's one of the things that we do. And so, like you said, you have every day, there's a scenario. Um, I did one, uh, like in October and that one was fun. Cause that one was like near Athens, Texas. And we did like a Normandy breakout kind of thing. So, um, it was like a lot of greenery, a lot of forests, a lot of like, and that's where, like I said, we sleep under the sleep under trees. You basically what we're doing is, you know, fighting to an objective. Once you get to that objective, like you bed in for the night, that's where you stayed. Then you got up the next morning and, uh, you just, you went back and you kept going. So we did that for, I think two days. Uh, and then on the final night, it was just, we were all exhausted. And by that time I didn't care if I was on hard ground or not. I found a hole and just put my poncho down and put a wool blanket over and I was asleep. I was probably the best night's sleep I had like up to the, you know, three or four days of that. That last night was the best cause I knew I was going home, but you know, yeah, I've done it. We've gone up to Colorado and hiked in the mountains up there. Uh, that was a different challenge cause like I've, I don't do like hiking and I don't do like mountain, like, you know, I call it a mountain, but it was probably like a hill depending on, you know, your perception of it. So how close you are to it. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, you know, we did that. Um, so, you know, uh, that's, that's my, uh, one of my, one of many hobbies that I have. I do have a question on that though. When you're doing the act, I guess acting part or reenactment part, how do you, get hit like is there somebody that's like has a stick and they're like you're dead or like you 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 lost an arm because like otherwise you're just like i feel like you got me i just want to lay here i'm just go <laughs> you know uh yeah no sometimes it's it's quite obvious because uh you know uh, there will be times where you're like walking and then all of a sudden you just hear like uh and it's crazy because like the group like i do american and a lot we get a lot of younger like teenage kids that do it or, you know, like, uh, early twenties, you know, so it's, it's expensive, uh, you know, but it's not too expensive. Like the Germans though, the guys that portray the Germans, their stuff is like exponentially more expensive. So you got a bunch of older guys that have been doing it for a long time. And some of them may have like, you know, full automatic weapons that are like legal to own, but they've modified them to shoot blanks. And it's just as far as like putting a plug in or whatever, and you'll be walking and you'll just hear like, 
a burst from an MP40 and you're like, oh yeah. And then you see the guy and you're like, yeah. And so if like now you kind of know what like, like, oh, okay. So this is what it would have been like to die in World War II. Like you see it and it's like, oh, that's how easy it is. So sometimes it's super obvious. And then sometimes you're just like, man, I'm tired. Like I'm going to go back. I'm going to get some water. I need to reload. I need to do this. I need to get, you know, my shoes are, my shoelaces are untied. So like you can call your time out by just being like, oh yeah, I'm dead. I'm, I'm going to go back over here and wait five minutes and I'll, I'll catch up to you guys. And that's it, you know, but there are some elements that, you know, like I said, sometimes it's, it's quite obvious. Um, sometimes it's not so obvious. And then you, then we do have people uh, come out and be like, Hey guy, you're, you, you got, you know, like, uh, I did one a while back with my son and this is a different, a different group, but we still did it. And, um, this guy came up to us and was like, yeah, they just, they just fired a, you know, a 40 millimeter, like explosive round or something, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, cool, whatever, man, I, I'm, I'm tired anyways. I'm gonna go back to, you know, so sometimes there's people there that'll tell you sometimes it's pretty obvious. Sometimes you're just kind of like, eh, but you know, all in all, it just kind of depends on how you feel at the time. Cause you know, like we always say, like the, the guys that portray the Germans, they never, they like, you could be like, bang, like from here to here. And they're like, Mm-mm. <laughs> and you're like, okay, cool. I see how this is going to go. Like, I'm not even going to try it. Like, you know, so they're like nine and you're like, all right, all right, man, I'm going, I'm going like, I'm just in the head back this way. You're, you're at the camp and some guy comes over, you guys are like eating and like around the campfire and like, yeah, uh, they shot an artillery shell. Uh, yeah. like 30 seconds ago and it, it landed like right here and yeah you're like, yeah you're just eating and you're like really you're like yeah you're like yeah. oh all right <laughs> yeah yeah it literally so you know sometimes it happens that way sometimes it doesn't and you know uh, like i i just do it just because i like i said for me it's more of the uh it's a good way like i actually started doing this when i was 16 so my dad was like like a side i guess my dad was in the army um and like growing up like i grew up right when like Saving Private Ryan and like Band of Brothers was coming out. So to me, like that was cool. Um, and my dad had a friend that did World War II reenacting. And uh, then it just started that way. And like me and my dad were like, oh, you know, hey, let's go. Let's go here. Let's do this. Let's do that. And it's just turned into this thing where like it's a really good experience for me and my dad to have like those moments together uh, to bond. Um, and then like now I'm getting my son into it. So, you know, he he's a little different because cell phones yeah cell phones call of duty like he was like i'm like son do you want to go reenact and he's like i'd rather play forza or like fortnite or like race in my simulated car so i'm like whatever like gran turismo came out and now he's just like all ate up with that stuff so it's like all right cool but like he wants to like he's he's done it a few times he enjoys it he likes going but um you know it's really like a like me and my dad get to go we got um you know, between the two of us, we got so much junk. Like I call it, I mean, it's not junk, but my wife will call it junk depending on who you ask. Like, uh, just a ton of stuff that, um, you know, we've collected over like 20 years of doing this now, 22, 23 years. So I thought you were going to say me and my dad have X amount of combat experience war. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I definitely like, I try every year to go to Denny's and get my, uh, like my free meal, but they, they never, they don't, I'm like, well, how about like, you know, I pretend to be a soldier and they're like, no. And I'm like, ah, I'll come know, back next year. I'll come back. I'll try again next year. Maybe, yeah. maybe, you know, yeah, let's see what happens. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, I did paintball, you know, growing up, which is, you know, you know, similar in a way in terms of like, we're moving around, we're acting like we're doing stuff. You know, maybe we are kind of doing a little bit more, but you know, the Milsim thing, right? The, is that Milsim is the, um, not the BBs or that's yeah. a really 
popular thing now. Yeah, so it, it's 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 the same. I mean, it it what we do and what like Milsim does and like same thing with like paintball, kind of the same, kind of not because um, you know, in in all three of those like you get to go home. Like there is an element like I've done paintballing once and there's a reason why I've only done it once. Uh, and I'd prefer not to talk about that instance. So let's just move on with that. Uh, but like, I've like in some of these events, like there's no real danger, right? So you're always going to do things that you may not normally do. Um, and that's where like, uh, I, I think sometimes it gets like, it gets lost in translation. Like what, what it is that we do. Cause like you see some of these, like these, um, uh, like live events or like show, we call them like show battles. Uh, they do it like up in college station. They have something there that they do every year. And it's, it's a lot of fun. The kids love it because they get to see it. Right. But like, um, it's very like romanticized, but like in reality, you know, you're not like, Oh my God, let me low crawl through all these like thorns because I don't want to get, shot at with a blank you're just kind of like man i'm I'm tired i'm just gonna walk and get shot and hope for the best you know uh same thing with like all this other stuff but um you know the gear you, you everything we buy there's dedicated websites that sell like reproduction gear um and nothing that we have like i have boots that are made to like as close to what they would have had in world war ii there's nothing that um like i don't have Vibram soles or anything like that on them. Um, the modern military does similar things too. They do demonstrations where they're shooting guns and flying in. There's a crowd of people watching them and taking photos and stuff. So, except no opposition and less role playing, it's like complete task, put on a show and leave. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Sounds like a lot of fun. Um, but I don't, I don't really want to go sleep in, on the ground anymore. Cause I've done that, you know? I, yeah. I mean, I would say that if you've done it for real, like anybody that's done it for real, um, like they're like, I would, I completely understand. And I tell people like, um, if you want to know what it's like, it, like if like, I, cause there's a lot of guys that I know that are veterans. Oh, what's it like? And I'm like, have you ever been to like NTC or like, like the desert and had to do like training in the desert? Like, yeah. And I'm like, it's just like that. It sucks. It, I mean, and like, and imagine paying to go to do it. And like, cool, you're gonna bring your like bring your rifle out there and let all that really fine dust get in there and shoot like I don't know 600 rounds of blanks, and then like run around with all your crap and then come home and like having taken you know the the whore baths. I don't know if we can use that word here, but you know, uh, where you just get in the shower with all your stuff. No, no, no. Like, uh, so like, uh, face pits crotch with like a moist towelette or something like that's what, that's what my dad calls like the whore bath is just like face pits crotch. And in that order, please don't reverse it. Cause you'll have a bad day. Uh, but like that kind of stuff. Um, so like I said, for me, like I use it as, because like my degree is in history and I do enjoy that, those aspects. Um, I feel like that's one of those things where it helps me kind of relate uh, in a sense, like I can only relate to you so much with your experiences where I could say, oh yeah, man, I had a toothbrush that I had to clean the dust out of a, of a gun every like 40 minutes. Cause it would like, it, it would get covered in dust. I'd clean the action. I've been in a dust storm. Like I've been in a sandstorm in, in Texas. And like, it was the most miserable time of my life. But I sat there with a guy that was, had been in the Marine Corps and was, um, 
you know, had been deployed or whatever. And he's like, yeah, this is, this is just what it's like. I mean, this, the misery is, is real. The only difference is like, it will end here. So like having, always having that out kind of dulls it kind of makes it not as bad as it really is. But, um, you know, that, that's, that's a real thing, I guess, in a sense. But like, yeah, I completely understand. Like you have to be a little crazy to be like, I'm going to pay, I'm going to bring my thousand dollar rifle out and it's a collectible and I'm going to wear like another thousand dollars in gear and then bring, you know, 500 rounds in blank ammunition, you know, or which is like a dollar around, you know? And then like for me, I have other stuff that I bring and that just exponentially increases the cost. It's a 10 hour, 12 hour drive and all this stuff. And like, by the time you know it, you've, you've, you know, you got four or $5,000 of investment sitting in the desert and some guy comes up to you and he's like, Hey, um, I broke the ejector on your 1919 and you're like, no, it's okay, man. I'm sure it happened in real life. I got some parts at the back at camp. And when we get there, I'll break this gun down. That's covered in like carbon. And like, I would say the only real aspect of reenacting is the misery that comes with like cleaning your gear and like doing some of that stuff as opposed to like real life. The only difference is like, I'm not turning my gun into anybody. I, like, I'm just going to put it in the safe when I'm done cleaning it. I don't have to get inspected. Like, I know what I did. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> 17 years of law enforcement uh, experience and a number of different, I don't know what do you call them. I, forget, I always forget the word I'm trying to use. Um, not categories. That's obviously not the right word. Departments. Divisions-ish. Divisions, right? Do You've done a number of different things, but... 2007 is that 17 years is that what you uh yeah no i started uh in june of 2007 i started the academy in june of 2007 and uh then in january uh i actually got married in june and then i was on my honeymoon when they were like hey be here next week you're starting and so i was like okay cool so i showed up um started the academy in june like the end of june uh and then beginning of january uh was out on field training you know graduated the academy was out of field training and uh you know did my six months of field training time and then went to my first assignment and i was a patrol division you know 2007 is about the time in my life where i became aware of like just being present yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy because I remember when I first got on, like I, I had a supervisor sergeant that would tell me about, you know, Oh, you know, in, in 1980, this and this and this. And I'm like, Sarge, I wasn't born for another four years. So I'm going to need you to like use some references that I'm familiar. And it would just, he'd be like, Oh, you, one day you'll understand one day. Blah, blah, and I'm like, okay, whatever. Like no concept of like the future at that time. Yeah. You've probably come across the same people that I have in my time where they, they like, you know, when did you get on? Like, when were you in high school? And then like you tell them and they're like, Oh, like they kind of freak out right about it. And you're like, yeah, that's what happens. People are born and then you get older and then other people come in that have later birthdays than you, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it is, it's crazy because it, it, and it's, I think like that's that explains a lot of like the current situation though is that you know as as like I get older like there's new people coming in to replace and you know when I got on 
like some of the the guys that I rode with as a rookie are now like I still talk to him and they're like, man, I got 26 years. And I'm like, dude, you got that long. Like you've been on that long. And he's like, yeah, remember when we were writing, I'm like, he's like, I was like, dude, like when I got on, you only had 10 years. And he goes, how long have you been on the department now? And you're like, oh yeah, yeah. Math was like, you know, you get the numbers like going in your head and you're just like, whoa, you know? And so, uh, yeah, man, uh, like, you know, I was the youngest guy at my station, um, for the longest time. And then just, you know, those are things you just, they go in and out of your mind. And before you know it, you're like, I'm 39 years old, man. I'm going to be 40 this year. And like, ugh. everybody says that the job goes by fast. Your career goes by fast. I mean, I guess that's been the case. I mean, I've eight years, eight years, but would you say that's seems to be the case? Oh yeah. No. I mean, that's definitely, that's definitely the case. You know, for me, like I said, I, I, you know, when I first got on, I, I, the only reason I even joined, not the only reason I joined, but you know, in 2007, I was 22 years old. I was working a part-time job at a, you know, a sporting goods store and we would have officers that would come in and they were either working an extra job or just coming in. And like, those were the guys that kind of motivated me. And like, those are the friendships that I created like early on, um, that kind of like, enticed me or not as an enticement, but like got me to, to join. And so when I, you know, I got on, I got to my station, though that station I worked at were the same people that I worked there with. Um, and it seems like just, just the other day, like, man, I remember, I remember hurricane Ike, you know, working with these guys. And now that was, you know, 16 years ago. Um, just yet like this, this, uh, next week be seven years that I've been a sergeant and I look back and I'm like, dude, we've been friends for six years. Right. Like, I mean that, that time goes by super fast. And so, uh, you know, like I look at it as I got more days behind me as a officer as I do ahead of me. And so like, that's, that's something that really like, I go, man, that's seven more years. I got seven years before I can leave. And I'm like, that's a long time. But then I think, well, seven years ago, I was getting promoted, and that time has gone by real fast. I'm in my current position now for almost four years. So, you know, it's – it's uh, yeah, man, time is like a – like you have to appreciate every moment of it, really. Like I, I think, um, you know, good, bad, ugly, whatever it is, like it's an experience. But, um, yeah, man, like the time has gone by like, wow, just – 16 years and and it's crazy because like once you put that into terms like into like relatable terms I remember you know um like my son my son was a baby when I joined the department and now he's a 16 year old kid that's talking about wanting to do like this as an adult and then I look back and I'm like man I remember you know um like just, just different things. So like, especially when you start comparing that time, are you looking, you're putting that time, like layering it with other experiences and you realize how far back that was. Um, and it just seems like it goes by so quick. Yeah. Um, in terms of like having a family and stuff and my oldest is 10 and you know, again, you look back. My wife said it the other day, like she said something about when our son was born. I was like, really? She's like, yeah. And then, you know, like the 
they're getting your son is 16 right and my son is 10 my youngest is three uh which is scary because i don't know how to like handle teenagers you know <laughs> but you think like well i I'm, i don't feel like a teenager teenager i don't look like one but um i remember being one you know what i mean um and then having to like navigate that like well just being a, a father like it's always a new thing you know it's not like Oh, I know how to have kids, you know, you know how to have a three-year-old, mm-hmm. you know, 10-year-old, eight-year-old. And if you have older ones, you kind of experience them already. But yeah, it's scary. Like the older they get, you're like, oh man. Yeah. I, th- I definitely think that, uh, that it, it, it does, it does help. Like I, I, you know, I only have one kid and so being, um, a parent to a teenager, uh, and being, like a supervisor or police officers or just being a police officer in general, like those kind of work hand in hand. Like there are times where I feel like, um, uh, well, first of all, I'll say this, like I have a wonderful wife that takes care of all the, like all the important stuff. So without her, it's kind of like, it makes things a whole lot easier. Uh, she's an elementary school teacher. So she had, she took care of all of like the elementary school stuff that the, that our son was going through, like growing up. And now that it's like in high school, um, you know, I, I kind of, I still let her take lead on things, but every once in a while I have to kind of step in and, you know, exert some like supervisory authority over him. And, and I think that's where like being a supervisor and a father to a teenage son, like those experiences are the same. Cause I can talk to the officers the same way. And, and from a, from a place of like, I'm telling you this because I care about you. And like, that's a true, that's a true statement. Like I do, I care about all the officers, like, regardless of what like the opinion may be like it's hard because you know I do have to separate myself from them from time to time only because of what it is that I do but at the same time like there's a lot of care behind that like I I want them to all have long successful careers just like I want my son to have a long healthy life with no problems like you know and I tell him like it's it's weird because like I tell him like son you don't remember what it was like to struggle like you've never had to struggle in your life because mom and dad did all that for you when you were a baby um like now anything you need i get it for you anything you like most anything you want i get it for you and so like there's a lot of care behind it there's a lot of care when it comes to how i address the officers and like how i address my son you know is it's from the same place obviously like i i have considerable considerably more love for my son because that's my son like that's that's natural right but like i I hate to see like the like i i want these officers to have the same like that same feeling like and it, and it, it wears right like there's times where um you know it's just like man i'm just worn out like i just need a day like let me have some time. I'll come back to you. Like, right. But in the end, like everything that I say as a supervisor, everything I say to my son, it comes from a place of caring, but I feel like that was developed through like that melding of both. Like it happened at the same time. Like I I raised my son from, you know, child to teenager now. And like, I have a great son. And for the most part we have, you know, where, where I work, we have great officers. It's just, um, you know, like I said, that, that experience of 
being a father to a teenager and being supervisors officers that are probably can relate closer to my son than I can. Like you, you can see kind of the similarities between the two of them. And I think the correlation between being a supervisor and being a father um, <clears throat> is that, you know, and I've had these conversations with my son maybe like three or four times now because he's 10 and now he's starting to do things. And, and so like the, the explanation to him in, 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 in a way in which a 10 year old might understand is like, you know, I've told him, which is my message to every person that hears my stuff is like, you're responsible for the outcome, right? Good or bad. Um, you know, and you know, you will be held accountable and, and also these are the set of guidelines and rules that they exist. And if you choose not to follow them, that's nobody else's fault, but your own. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, and I, I use the law as a great example because I feel like I just don't want you to go to jail or prison, son. You know, like it's not he's done. He's not doing anything. But I'm just saying, yeah, like, yeah. look, if you're not going to show up to tutoring, if you're not going to if you're going to be disrespectful to your teacher, like this is school. But like there's real life. Right. And you, when you get a job, you're going to have to do things for people because they want you to do it. And you have to do it. And there's rules to those things. And if you don't do it, you know, there could be repercussions for that. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and just like my son growing up a little bit, probably a little bit more difficult cause he's growing and he's not mature yet. And so they make rash decisions, you know, they, but, um, they make decisions that aren't in the best interest of themselves because they don't know any better probably. But, you know, officers have an opportunity to, I don't say conform, but understand what they can and cannot do and, and keep themselves away from issues, I should say. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that's, that's the, like, like you said, like my, my son, uh, you know, the, cause the rules always change it, like in life, right? Like you want them to be successful. So I deal with the same thing, like son, do this. I need you to do that. Like going forward though, for us. And, and like, that's, that's where that, that like concept of time, you know, uh, to have somebody that's 10 to think about what their life is going to be like when they're 20, they, like there's that, that it's just, it's inconceivable to them. Um, I like, and, and, and it, that's probably, that's probably the way it is until you hit about 30. And then you kind of realize like, man, like I got to start thinking about the future as in what am I going to like the exit strategy for me? I've been planning for, you know, the last six, seven years. Uh, but you know, like when I first got on to think about what policing was like, what it was going to be like in 10 years. So in 2017, like to think about the things that we were doing in 2007, as, to as opposed to what we were doing in 2017, there was just no way. There was no way for us to like envision it because it didn't exist. You know, it's like think of something that nothing is you know, like it's creating something that has never been in existence. You know, it's kind of hard to, to envision that, you know, everybody thought we were going to be in flying cars by now. And here we are still in, you know, gasoline fueled vehicles. So not, not much has changed in 120 years, but yet we can send flights to Mars. And, and so what I'm like, I guess the point I'm trying to make is like when I first got on the way we did things, not that it was anything, not, not that, it was against the law and not that it was anything that was like illegal, but that was just the way that we had done it. And that was the way we had done it for 10, 20 years, like right, wrong or indifferent. Um, but then like, like I think for people that have about the same amount of time as I do or more, 
we had the benefit of like seeing that growth of like technology and like uh with, with like cell phones right i was in the academy when like the first iphone came out and i remember my classmate had one and he's like yeah look at this this is so cool and i'm like i can't even imagine like what are you talking about like i still had a cassette player in a vehicle like like what you know so like that kind of technology but then to see it like uh grow into what it is now right like you can literally record anything and within minutes seconds it's everywhere everybody has access to it you know um and this is like this is where like uh for me i could sit here and talk about this forever because of like the historical stuff right is like if you look at like what happened if we had like 9-11 now you know like imagine how much more footage we would have of that and like how many different perspectives we would have so when you see some of these events like when like the ability to have these recording devices the ability to have this technology at your fingertips where you can do any and everything um we kind of fell behind like in general like across the across the board um like we just didn't acknowledge the strength, like the potential for it. And I, you know, I think we, we caught ourselves before it was too late. Um, and we've learned from that, but like technology has just, it just keeps growing. And I think for us, like trying to stay ahead of that curve has been, has been crucial. So, you know, it, it's the same thing, right? Like to think about 10 years, like, Let's think about 10 years from now. So we're talking 2034, 2030, yeah, 2034. Um, like, who knows what we're going to be doing? You know, like we're like, I, there was a time where I remember uh, my first paycheck. Like, I was like, cool, I'm going to Circuit City. I'm buying me a mini DVD player. And like, that's like, that was my extra job thing. Like, okay, cool. I watch m movies on this mini DVD player life is never going to get any better than this. Right. And now I can watch like all the movies in the world on this thing. Right. And like, it's got more computing power than, you know, so like, uh, you know, having those experiences, like going through that technological, technological, like advancement and being a part of that was really interesting. Um, because like it, it was, um, it was weird how it changed the way we police, like the way that we should police the way, like it's a profession, right? And like, are you really, are you really a professional if you're not like up to date? Like if you're not with the most current stuff and, and I think we do a good job of doing that. Um, now, you know, it's just been like, uh, it's, it's been an interesting watch. Cause like I still have memories of like what we would call like old school policing, and like what we like, I now have more time um, spent on patrol with a body camera than I did like without one, you know. And so like, there's that dynamic shift of like as my experiences go. Um, and so like that that's that's a interesting like view. Yeah, even with me and and when I came on, there was no body cameras. When I think yeah, 2015, and that was a couple years, I think. And, and so I've experienced that kind of in a way too. And so, you know, you talked about being present in a certain time, like in an era and doing things a certain way and not being able to foresee what could come about and how, 
you know, and so, but what we do know is that like things do change, right? And mm -hmm. and those advances in technology or perception or whatever is the the conversation is that time changes the way that we do things. And I guess in your experience and what you've seen, um, and what I've seen and, and saw is that it's received differently by diff different types of people, right? So some people are just like, yeah, this is the way we're doing it now. And then some people kind of go against the grain a little bit in terms of like, you know, and body cameras is probably a really great example of that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I always use the example of like, if you had to go to like the dentist or get like a surgery done, like you're not going to want to go to a guy that studied like dentistry in like, he's like, I know how to extract a tooth like civil war style. Like, no, I'm good. I'm going to go to the person that's going to use the most the advanced techniques to help the healing process, to help this, to help that. Like, like they're, they're like technology allows these things to be better. Right. And so I feel like if you're resistant to the change, like your job, like in any profession, right. Any resistance to change that can enhance the quality of your performance. Um, like you, you fall off, like you don't, you're no longer relevant or you become like a, a liability in a sense. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, there has been, there's always going to be resistance to change. That's just a natural, um, you know, that's a, that's a natural thing. And you can trace that to any profession. Like I was listening to something they were talking about like women in war, like in world war one, they had these, uh, women that were, um, like volunteered to fight and, or not to fight, but to serve the country. So they go overseas, they come back and they're stripped of everything. And it's kind of like, they're fighting for that inclusion into like honorary, like, you know, like to being honored as veterans, you know, and there's like a big push now for that, but it's the same thing. Like, like resistance to change isn't something that's new. It's not something that is going to go away. Uh, but like, it's our job as professionals to kind of see, like to try to anticipate those changes and then to try to mitigate that resistance as best as we can. Yeah. So I had something drawn up on a whiteboard that I never executed on. Um, but I, I basically had drawn up and this is in reference to tactics because it's the same, it's the same way. Um, and I said this on a, a live I did, but the best thing that you could do as like somebody who's interested in tactics and wants to do things like quite honestly, the best way that they can, because best usually means safer, then you should look at things that are being taught to you objectively, compare them to the things that you know. And I mean, we don't do a good job at, at like testing things like, mm -hmm. okay, well, how fast can I actually put rounds on this target if he's over here in this position? Okay, yeah, I can do it from here. But if I move it over here, oh, well, I'm way behind. So maybe this is the happy medium where I can address both these in an equal amount of time. And I like to operate on, you know, probabilities, likelihoods and statistics. And so the example that I use is, you know, quite literally, if you test something and, you know, let's say 65, oh, I'm going to screw myself up with math, but 65% of the time you get these results that are favorable, but 35% of the time you get negative results that had you chosen option B, it would have been the better outcome, mm -hmm. but just making the decision, it was not the more probable choice. Does that make sense? So, mm -hmm. And, and so like, I always do the one that is a higher percentage likelihood of, of giving me the outcome I desire. But you know, there is that side note, like you could still do it this way and it could still fail because there's still that likelihood, you know? Yeah. And that's something, you know, like 
that's something that I learned really like I, I think some of that is like you do have to kind of put your ego aside sometimes right like and, and like it's good to be confident right like that you want to be confident about what you're doing because that's like any kind of questioning is where like the dangerous part is I think in anything in any part of of your your job your life whatever um but like you do have to kind of set the ego aside sometimes and just realize like what I'm learning here. And that's a hard, like it's, it's, I know, I know that. And it's still hard for me in my job and I don't do anything tactics. Like everything I do is at a desk. Right. But I still have to sometimes like, and, and I catch myself doing it. And that's when I go, Hey, look, sorry, probably shouldn't have, probably shouldn't have had the outburst. Right. But like, I think if you look at every opportunity as a training opportunity and you, you don't just say, well, that's not how I like, that's not how we do that. This is how I've been. This I've been trained this way since 2007. Like in 2007, we were like quick peaks, like quick peak high. And then to throw them off quick peak low, like they, they won't expect it. And it's like, now it's kind of like, dude, if you did that stuff now, like, like people are going to go, what are you doing? You know? And so like, I, I think if you look at every training experience and, and like, that's something that I, I try to do, especially whenever we're, we're learning new tactics or like if you're at an in-service class and you're learning something new, like always have that open mind as to, I may not get a hundred percent of the material and like agree with a hundred percent of it, but there might be 60%, 75%. There might be something in this training that I can get out of it. Even if what I get out of it is, like, I don't like this and I don't really think I want to do this. I'm going to stick with this or I'm going to stick with that or like you pull something from it. Right. So if you have that mentality of how can I how can I get this to increase like my effectiveness, my professionalism, either through um, like adopting it as standard practice or saying I'm only going to take certain things as standard practice. I'm only going to do certain things this way or that way. Um, I feel like that that's, that's how the, that's like that, that is professionalism, right? Cause you're always trying to be better. You're always trying to, um, improve your, like either your product or your abilities, your capabilities. Like I said, nobody wants to go to a doctor that like studied, you know, even in the fifties, like, ah, I'm a, you know, I'm a psychiatrist here. We're just gonna give you, you know, like we used to shock people, into like thinking, like thinking that that was a good thing, like lobotomies here, this is how it's going to cure you. Right. Like we wouldn't do that now. So like to be so like dismissive or like reject like new ideas as maybe a, a possibility or as a, an alternative to like what used to be. Um, I feel like it's a disservice, like to, to yourself, to your profession, to, to everything like, right. Like whatever it is, you know, and, Professions are always changing, but especially like for us, you know, in, in the end, it, it's all about like making sure you've done everything you can, the best that you can, you know? Yeah. Um, you talked about stuff that you were doing in 2007. And the crazy part about that is in 2015, we were being taught at the threshold of the door to set your flashlight on the ground inside the doorway and roll it across the ground. Yeah. That's 2015. Yeah. Like it's not that long ago. And so, you know, well, again, what that is, is like, well, w wherever that idea came up, like I have questions because <laughs> it sounds like you just made it up because you just, uh, in theory, right? Like in theory, I feel like this would uh, confuse somebody and I'd be able to, uh, 
that's the problem because we shouldn't be creating things in theory because like law enforcement tactics, you know, uh, again, I speak on that, you know, matter is like largely developed off of uh, personal experiences, intuition and from positions of authority. And that's how things happen and continue to happen because resistant to change. Right. Yeah. Like that's my thing. I created it. And that's what we're doing. Um, and and to be told, um, you know, there's a better way. Right. And I had this conversation um, with somebody, maybe it was on a live and I, I talked about how, you know, like as an instructor, and this has happened, um, in my courses, um, it happened once that I can remember, but you know, I started a group and somebody put something in the group that was like really good. And I was like, I'm using this, you know, because mm -hmm. it was information I didn't think of. Um, and, but like, say you go and take a course. Um, and I presume that instructors that have their own, I don't say company, but courses, and they kind of created it on their own, maybe not a department thing, but like, this is your thing. Like, I, I assume that you're teaching this because you believe it's the best way of doing it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't imagine that you b actually think there's a better way and you're not teaching that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when you go and take a course or, and, and we've experienced this in training, like, you know, and it's like, this is the curriculum. This is what we're teaching you. So then when you show up and maybe you ask something or talk about something that they didn't think about and like you ask and you could see like, like, oh, well, well don't worry about that. Like this, this is the way we're doing it. And, and the reason is because they can't change it. <laughs> it's already, it's already here. Yeah. And they're not going to like stop the class. And be like, all right, Hey everybody. Like I thought this was the best. I'm going to rewrite this and we'll get back to you in about 20 minutes, but I'm not the person I thought I was. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's, well, maybe that's not the right like context of, of that, but that, that does happen. Yeah. No. And like, I've seen it, um, in like, you know, early on, I was I was like super into, like uh, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm gonna do. Like you know, ate up with the like the tactic stuff and and wanting to do. Like I had goals, I had aspirations, right? Like those are. And, and as times change, I got you know I got older. Um, what I wanted to do changed, but um, you know I remember taking classes where we were like, okay, hey, uh, sir, like, and this was a this was completely like a private class, right? How, how would you do this with your left hand? And he's like, you're just going to have to figure it out. Like learn to do it with your right hand, right? Like, well, I'm left-handed. I'm not left-handed, but the guy was, and he's kind of like, so how would you like, like even, even the instructor was having a hard time trying to show manipulations reverse because he had, you know, done it this way for so long, um, you know, or like, you know, like you were talking about, I like rolling the flashlight in the doorway. Like we didn't do that because we had the flashlights with the bezels, like with the straight edges and we would just turn it on, like hit the strobe function and then put it in the corner. And you're like, that's going to disorient them, you know? And so like, there's, there's a lot of things that have changed like nowadays that we wouldn't, we wouldn't do, um, just because like the methods have changed. But, um, you know, I, like, like I said, like I, I've, I've seen it, um, I've experienced it. Uh, and like, even now, like I've been removed from patrol. Um, and I think I could do the basic, like, let me go over here and respond to this call and let me address this. But there's guys now that are doing things that I'm just kind of like, why do you do that? And, and I asked not because I think it's wrong. I asked because I've never seen it before. And I'm curious, like, what, like, what are you doing here? You know? And they're like, Oh, well this isn't, I'm like, okay. Like there's, it works. It's not like you're not violating policy. You're not doing anything wrong. It's just like, 
it, it works. Like, you know, so you have to kind of accept that as like the new way, like the new methods. Um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I, I always like as a, as a patrol supervisor, I would always do the like good, better, best, you know, what was good, what could have been better and what would have been best. And that's where, you know, you tell the officers, like, I'm not telling you what you did was wrong. I'm just saying like, there's options, there's things that we could have done that could increase like the efficiency of it, increase your safety and, you know, everything worked out this time. So let's be thankful that it worked out, but let's see what we can do to mitigate danger. Like there's always going to be inherent danger in everything we do. Um, so what, what, what are the steps we can take to mitigate that? And that's where that like good, better, like to me, that's the, that's the mentality, like good, better, best. But I use that in everything. Like I use that mentality in everything. I tell my son like, Hey, these grades were good. They could have been better. And what would have been best as far as like this, like do your schoolwork, do this, do that. Um, you know, and the same goes for like, um, like with my wife, I'll talk to her about stuff from time to time and we roll into the like, you know, good, better, best kind of thing, you know, Hey, this is good. This could have been better. What would have been best? And so like that, that constant assessment of your performance, like an, uh, uh, analyzing your own performance and trying to see how you can, and like, that's, that's a benefit, right? Like now we can do that. Like back in 2008, I could, like, I got into a foot pursuit in 2008. Like I just based my, my success off of the fact that I caught the guy and he went to jail. Right. Like I didn't, I didn't had no way of reviewing what I did good, what I did bad, what I could have done better. Now we have that. So let's, let's use that to our advantage and try to like enhance our abilities. Yeah. It's one of the benefits of the body cameras, but I think, and I, I think like organizations can't do this or they try to, but by the time they get what they're asking for, it's no longer the better, the the best way now. Um, and that's like, you know, forward thinking, you know, and I mean, this can be done. Like there's things right now that I can, I can, I can name or think about that. It's like, it's not the best way of doing it, but that's what we're doing. And we just are going to continue to do it until something probably bad happens and we go, okay, we need to change this now. I mean, that's what happens, right? Every time there's a significant event where an officer is seriously hurt or killed, there there's a responsibility that probably a duty to like the organization to look at that and say, what could we have done better? I mean, that's has to happen, right? Yeah, no, I mean that, but you know, and, and that's where like, that's where the inability to see like in the future comes in. Like that's, that's the problem. Um, like we, we're not always going to know, right. We're not always going to know what the next bad thing is going to be. Um, we can, we can try to plan it, but that's where, like I said, I, I think there are times where, where maybe we try to do that and then we get the resistance to the change. Cause it's, well, you know, this is, this is ridiculous. Why are we doing this? I've never, you know, blah, 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 or whatever. Um, but yeah, then it ultimately results in like the bad being the, the catalyst for the change. Right. And there may be somebody that says, I've always, I've always like, and, and I'm sorry that I keep bringing up these historical references, but I feel like that's the best way to, to, to bring the point across, right? Like the, the dude that like prepared all his people for an attack on the towers, right? The guy that was like, 
hey, uh, Rick Rescorla, like perfect example. Like he trained his people for for a, a a very highly unlikely scenario that eventually occurred. But when it did occur, everybody knew what they were supposed to do. Everybody knew their task. And so like he saw something like he saw a potential for an incident to occur. And, and I think if we can look at that way and say, hey, this is while this works now, there's a potential for when it doesn't work. How are we going to mitigate that? Um, it's hard to do, though. Right. Like like we can do that in like. Like a, a big scenario, right? Like we harden defenses. We make sure that we have, you know, um, like all these possible avenues for something bad to happen. Like we address them, but there's always going to like, you can't cover everything. And so what do you do, right? Like we wait for the bad to happen. Hopefully the things that we have been trained on and the things that we have taught and learned are enough to kind of mitigate that risk. But, you know, we won't know until after it happens. And um, when something like that happens, especially for larger departments, I think it probably when you maybe you stand there and you look at it as people maybe that can make decisions and you say, like, what what could we do? Probably the easiest and quickest thing to do is to, like, put it on paper and say, you can't do this anymore. Right. And so because the other the other approach is time, money, training and maybe that happens too. Right. Yeah. Um, but, and you kind of said something about this is that, um, something bad happens. There's a change or, you know, say a policy that comes about maybe in reference to, or a collection of events. And sometimes those are received as a negative thing to, um, to the like individual officers. Right. And they view it as like a negative impact on their job. Right. Yeah, I you know, I think sometimes there there is that like you're you're saying the change creates the negative impact. Well, at least maybe a perceived negative impact. Yeah. Yeah, it. well, yeah. Here's one. Like vehicle pursuits. Be very general about it, but you know, an an organization cuz a lot of cities, well not a lot, but there are towns and cities that don't allow uh officers to chase people for anything, any reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the obvious reason is the organization weighs the danger to the public versus the benefit of catching whoever's running for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and we all know that pursuits are very dangerous for the citizens, for the suspect and for the officers. I mean, I don't have any numbers on how, (laughs) you know, um, but a change like that where it's, you know, being like, kind of like looked at again and saying like, okay, Cost of benefit isn't there. Like on average, these people are running for almost no reason, maybe sometimes. And so maybe we just write this a little bit differently to where we limit the amount of times it's happening um, and maybe presumably keep people safer, right? Yeah. I mean, the hard part is, though, is that you're never going to be able to like account for what what the, the bad guy's going to do, right? And so even even in that, like uh, my my... my my counter to that would be like, how do we train some of these events where like there are so many variables, so many different possibilities, so many avenues for things to go wrong. Like, uh, like I have, uh, the, the, like 
the counter and then what I think would be like our, our solution, right? Is so like there's things that we just can't account for. We can't account for what somebody else is going to do. And, and you know, there is that inherent risk. Like our job is to keep people safe. Are we really doing that? If we're, you know, if what we're doing is causing, um, you know, personal property damage, personal damage, like things like hurting people, right? Like if we're, if in the course of what we're doing, somebody gets hurt, you know, was it worth it? Uh, you know, that that's for other people to decide. That's not for me to decide. Um, what I would say though, is like, we have the technology now, right? Like, like we can, like, like writing things down and saying, don't do this now may not be always the best answer. I mean, it, it does it, like by doing that, we are controlling what we can control, which is a good thing. Uh, but at the same time, like, you know, and, and, and it is right. Like there's, there's always, there's always a, like a, a consequence. And, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but like, okay, well let's get drones. Okay. Are, are we really willing to tell people like, Hey, I need you to fork over, you know, like, Hey, Hey, go to the, your, your mayor or your governor or your like whoever is in charge of your town and say, we need $5 million to operate this drone. So that way, whenever we get a chase, we can do that. But like, and I think that we're, we're, we're on the verge. Like, so I think we're on the verge of another technological advancement here that, that we see, we just got to kind of get around some red tape, um, like drones, like, dude, like everybody sees what they're doing over there in the Ukraine with drones. Like, I don't think we're that far away from having people like drone certified to just like, okay, cool. You got to chase. I'm going to deploy the drone and here we go. And now we're operating in, you know, in, in another dimension, not dimension, but like another like space that we never did before. Um, and so I think that's kind of where we're leading to. I just think that like the cost, the technology and some of those things need to be lined up a little bit better for us to be able to use that as a, like a, a an efficient method of addressing some of these things. You know, it's kind of, it's, it's one of those, like, what do we do? We're, we're, we're kind of stuck in that. Like if we, if we don't do it, we're permitting them, like we're permitting criminals to continue. Right. Like, uh, you know, there, there are places where they just, they just don't do it anymore. You know, like, uh, like there are places where like, the they're maybe no longer really policing yeah they're no yeah it's just it's just kind of like hey we're gonna do what we can there's that that aspect of like proactive policing is gone um and you know like what do you do how do you address it so i you know i, I like i said i think we're like specifically speaking on the example that you use i i think that we're we're not too far from a time where we're going to be able to deploy some device that's going to permit us to now do this safely. Like, like back in the day when I was there, like when I was on, we would just call for the helicopters. Like, Hey, can I get a helicopter out to our, you know, to, to check by with us. And as soon as the helicopter came out, things had changed, you know? Um, and, and I think, 
you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, like as far as like time, you know, we're 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 in a, a space like nationwide where like policing is getting younger, right? Like they like there's those people that probably joined in like the late nineties, mid nineties that are now leaving. And you have people like me that came in, you know, um, like post nine 11. Cause even guys that were there in 2000, like joined after nine 11 are now 24, 25 years on and they're, they're retiring. So like you said earlier, like as you get older, more people are coming in, we're getting younger and we need to find a way to kind of, I don't want to say like wrangle, but like, we got to make sure that we're holding them, like keeping them from being their own worst enemy in a sense. And it, it's, it, that's where I think that that perceived, like that perceived negative comes from because you have people that are like me that say, I remember back in the day like this, or I remember we used to do this and like they're going, they're, they're basing that experience off of like perceived or like communal negativity. Um, maybe there's one person that doesn't like it. One person that's resistant to the change. And then you have like the others that kind of follow along with it. Like they, they really didn't know. They're just going with the flow. Really. Do you think that there's that are, coming into a situation that well they're not familiar with at all um like they're coming in in their own era at time right is it is there is it is it more difficult or is it you know because now there's more policies right there's more rules there's more there's more tasks there's more paperwork there's no you can't do that you have to follow this procedure and that's always changing too um and then with the technology and things like that or is it more of like is it like are they um seemingly unaware for some reason are they resistant to the processes that are in place or are they like mainly kind of incompetent uh, you know I, I think that it is like you know when I first got on I, I could relate to what every single one to five year officer is going through because I was a one to five year officer at one point you know um, the difference is, is like, we've gotten younger, like top down, like everybody is far younger than, than what we were 10, 15 years ago, as far as like who was in what positions, right? Like, um, that being said, like now we, like when I got on, I had a group of like four or five senior officers that kind of molded me into what I, what I became, right? Like. I learned from them. Like you learn everything in the academy, you learn everything in field training. Then you go to your first station, and like that's where you learn like more about like, hey, this is how you should act. This is how we do this thing. This is how we do that. And it's not like a like forget everything you learned in the academy, but it's more like you learn how to talk to people. And, and I think that's where like that's what I see like nationwide as being an issue is like we're young we don't have that stable of like senior guys now to to teach those those like to shorten that learning curve where where when I got on I had guys that had had 20 25 years on taking me kind of under their wing in a sense and showing me like hey this is how you do this like hey man don't like like there's no rush let's go ahead and 
let's learn this. Let's do this. This is how you talk to people. This is how you, you know, get on a traffic stop and this is how you engage with people. And then if you have a situation, this is how we address it. Like they taught me those things without ever like a formally teaching me, you know, but it was like their guidance, their wisdom and everything that, and, and like, I still talk to those guys. I, like when I, when I promoted and I went back to the, my original station, they were there and it was like, it made it so much easier because now I understood like where they were coming from having a little more time on. I understood them a little bit better and like, I respect them for that. Uh, but I don't think we have that now just because, and, and it's nothing like bad. It's just the, the old people are getting old and they're leaving, right? Like we have this changing of the guard and we need like that learning curve is a little longer now than it was before you know, where we're, we're having to now kind of teach these guys a little more than maybe what we had to, because those senior guys that were there, like when, when some of us got on are no longer there, right? Like you could go, like you could go probably to your old station and you wouldn't recognize anybody, you know, or like I could go back to, you know, uh, an old division that I worked at and they would be like, who's this guy? You know, that's how much it's changed. Whereas before, you know, there was guys like, oh, did you know this dude? He worked over here for all these years and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and all like, like the, that experience has kind of left with, with the years, right? Like we're, we're younger nationwide. And I think that's part of like, that's an explanation. I don't think that's the whole reason, but I think that's a, a, a part of the reason why we have some of the things that we have now, why we're doing some of the things we're doing now and why we have some of the like obstacles in front of us. Um, and what do we do? Like that's, you know, there, there's like a multi-tiered problem. So how do we, how do we imp like, what do we implement? What do we decide is the best? What do we decide is, you know, good. How are we going to go about and navigate these like uncharted territories with a bunch of young guys now? Yeah. Well, I think if you're going to, well, I think if even if you were to address it, maybe in a way that I think is appropriate, it would take a very long time um, because you would have to start like at the beginning, <laughs> you know, and um, and then but you can't like get rid of the people you already got. You know what I mean? So they kind of have to go move about and do their thing. So and I know across the, the country and you see this on social media, the complaints of other officers, especially when an officer in the tactical space does something or they just don't train. Right. And, and, and it's obvious by based on their performance. And they always, one of the things that they always bring up is, um, over the recent years and the, the events that have happened, you know, it's law enforcement has probably become a less desirable profession to people to want to pursue because, you know, public perception or whatever. Um, and I had somebody on the live last night that was asking me that he said, you know, I am, I'm either going to be a cop or I'm, I'm, I'm going through the process, but like everybody I come across is telling me not to do it. And, um, for whatever reason. Um, and so I think one of the things that I've been told or seen is that in order to, because you need officers on the streets, like you said, like people are leaving. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, you can't be like, well, we're a, we're a city of, you know, I don't know, 5 million, whatever the number is, just throwing that out there. And, uh, we need 3000 officers on the streets. And it's like, well, we can only put 15 people in an academy class. Like, no, that's not going to happen. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, and so, and so what happens usually is, you know, the standard of what is the requirement, whatever those might be becomes, okay, well maybe we don't need college, you know? Okay. Well maybe we don't need military experience anymore. Um, 
And like, and it's not to say that people that aren't, don't have those things aren't good people and won't be good cops. But, um, I think like to be able to say you've done these certain things, um, shows that you've had the will to complete some tasks. Right. And I think on average, collectively, you get groups of people that are more capable, maybe, or whatever, can do the job better, perform better, willing to do the job. And also like have some life experience to draw their converse, not conversations, but interactions with other people from, right. So like I came from the military, like not straight from Afghanistan, I guess, uh, three years removed, but I had a lot of experiences in my life, you know, up until that point. So, and I remember having this like actual thought of, you know, when like a couple of years after I got on about experiencing other officers, you know, talking to people or doing whatever that like, you just have to have a lot of maturity. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and, and like, so for example, right. When I started and you know, for you, like, uh, I guess I had two small kids. Right. But yeah, I, I remember that being a thing too. Like, um, how old was I? I mean, you know, we'll just say 25, throw a number out there. I'm 25 years old and I'm talking to these grown adults about raising their kids, Yeah, <laughs> you know? And I remember specifically like, this is like that happening in the moment and being like, well, I feel like I'm giving good advice. You know what I mean? But like, I don't have my own kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, and that's definitely a, uh, like, I, I think if I were to be like, if I had the experiences then that I had now, I'd like, I, it would have been a whole different experience, right? Like, and, and not everybody's like, not everybody's experience is bad. Right. Like, I mean, but I, yeah, I mean, like when I first got on, I was 20, like I said, I was 23 years old. Am I in any position at 23 to give somebody else advice as far as like, Hey, this is how you should get your life together. Because I still, I'm still working on it on myself. Right. Like I literally, like before I joined, um, I had, uh, I had basically not like dropped out of college, but like I was going through the application process and was still like in school, but I was just kind of like, ah, this is, this is, this is for the birds. Like I'm not doing that. So I basically didn't finish. I ended up with like a C and an F and like on my college report card, like I'm not proud of it, but like I'm not bragging either. You know, it's just, it's just one of those things like. But then, um, you know, I, I, I spent the next seven years like in that kind of like, oh, I got, you know, I thought it was good advice. I thought this was good. Like, ah, you don't need to go to college. Cause like, look at me, like I'm, I'm able to do all these things. And, and like, I was under this impression that everything I was doing in life was good because I was able to pay bills. I was able to do things that I needed to do. And then like, I had this like crucial moment in 2013 where like I got some really good like advice from from family members like they just they told me their story and I was like holy man this is this is a completely different outlook that I got um and then from there I you know that's when I tried to promote the first time and didn't work out you know and I was like man I you know I laid in bed for like a week and was just like miserable and I thought well what what would these people do like right so like I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. Right. Like, but, um, you know, I, I went, I, I said, if I take that same energy and I apply it to school, I should be good. So I went back to school, finished it. You know, I went back and by that time, by the time I finished school is already time for me to take that test again, did it promoted. And like that experience in itself, like that journey, um, was a very like 
coming of age kind of thing at like 30, you know, like you come of age at 32. I, I, I was a little late to it, but, um, you know, like having all those experiences, I really think helped me like in the, in the upcoming, like deal with more stuff and learn how to kind of like help me to be a better supervisor, help me to be a better father, help me to be a better this or that or whatever. Um, and, and I think that that's where like, I wasn't resistant to that change. And, and I think the big issue is like on the like bottom up. So from like, we have top down perspective, right? Like from the big guy down, right? How does it affect us? But then like, if we reverse that and we say, okay, from each, in, each individual perspective, right? Not all of them are going to be bad. Not all of them are going to be good. Like or some are going to be good. Some would be bad, whatever. But like for me, from that perspective, like being able to um like see how how i how i can change that like how i i accepted the res like the change right i wasn't necessarily resistant to everything and, and i'm not saying like be a yes man or be like that's a great idea i think we should do that like this is cool. Like there's nothing wrong with this. Like where the house is on fire and it's like, I'm okay. Everything's okay. We're not talking about that, but we're just talking about like acknowledge it see how, like how, what you can and can't take from it and then adopt that as part of your daily, like how you're going to go about doing things for me, like the mindset aspect of everything. Like I, I've, I've seen your stuff and I'm like, I get it. Like I understand as far as tactical space goes, like I said earlier, like I'm in no place to talk about that. Like it, it's just cause I'm, that's not my thing. Right. But even then I address, I look at every opportunity to train every opportunity to learn is eventually this may be my problem, right? Like I could end up having to deal with this situation or I could end up having to deal with something like this. So, you know, while I may not have to worry about like, um, you know, dynamic entry into a house, like I could at least say, well, let me, let me see what this guy has to say about it. Let me see what that guy has to say about it. And like, I use it like for me, my example is like camping. I was telling you earlier, like my idea of camping was staying in a hotel and being like, this is like, cool, let's go camp. I'll go stay in a hotel. Like if they got a, you know, bed and breakfast or something, but like I've, I've kind of watched them like now that I'm doing that a little more, um, you know, I look at other videos and like, there are guys that I like watching cause they're entertaining. There are guys I like watching because I actually learned stuff. And then there are guys that I like watching and I'm just kind of like, that's not how you do that. Like, Oh, how do you know? Well, because that's what the YouTube said, right? Like, and like, I was watching a video of a guy put a uh, tent together and he goes, this thing isn't looking right. And I'm like, it's cause you didn't set your, your center pole up dummy and like and he's sitting there like fondling over there like oh, i don't know what's going on. and then like it pauses and it cuts and he's like i didn't set the center pole up and i was like i told you and my wife's like what do you know and i'm like ah you know so like those are things that i think like if we look at at right like we can only do so much there's only so much that like we can we can change from our our bottom-up perception or our bottom-up you know mentality but like if you take every opportunity, everything that's said, everything that like, and you don't necessarily just say that's stupid. I'm not going to listen to it. That's dumb. I, I'm not, you know, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. So I'm going to like, I know what's going on. Right. 
like we're all guilty of it, but you know, um, if we just kind of look at those as how can, like, what is it that he's saying? Like, let's look at the content of what's being said. Let's look at the purpose behind what's being said, right? Like you have the subject, you have your reasoning for doing what it is you're doing. And then in the end we can come up and, and, you know, with an analysis of like, he's coming from this place and I, like, I, I'm going to, I, you don't have to accept it. I'm going to reject it, but I'm rejecting it based off of this or that. And even through that, you're still able to kind of learn something, right? Like transfer, like, so one of the things that I'm doing now is, um, like, uh, in my current field of study, we're doing, um, like performance analysis. So like these transfers of knowledge, like how does one thing that you do transfer knowledge through like repetition, reenactment, um, reperformance. And so like through that, you can learn different things. Like I can learn from you by watching you do something and, and maybe I don't accept it. Maybe I can say, well, based off of my experiences and what I've done, this isn't the best method, but it's not like outright rejection of, well, that's just stupid because you're challenging what was previously established by, you know, some dude that uh, has, you know, $10,000 worth of tactical gear and, um, you know, like a million followers, like, cool. That, like, that's a, that, that uh, I'm in no place to judge that. And that's not what I'm doing. Um, uh, but like I said, I watch, I watch a lot of stuff and, and, and whether or not I take something from it, whether taking something from it is like, don't do that. Or if it's like, huh, I, let me, let me adopt that as something that I normally do. You know? Yeah. I think, uh, and for me and on the social media thing, it's, um, it's interesting. And I've been thinking about this the past couple of days because I, I had posted some things that I ended up taking down, but, um, where they were, I mean, it was just me being me, you know, <laughs> uh, it was me doing the same thing I've been doing for the last two years, but it got a little bit more attention because of the severity of the outcome of the situation. And, you know, I, I tell, I've told people like, my thing is whatever gets us as close as possible to the truth. That's the, that's what I'm going to talk about and say, and I always say, like, I'm not always right. I don't have all the answers necessarily. Um, and the information could change, you know, get more information kind of change. Yeah. Um, but that's something that uh, when you spe- specifically talk about those events, because traditionally in law enforcement, we were doing a we do a pretty dang good job at telling people a good job when it wasn't. Um, yeah. Which isn't I feel like the, the minimum we could do is just uh, be honest about that, because like that doesn't cost you anything other than that interaction or whatever and don't be like be a professional when you do it right but it's funny because and i i post something right and let's just say on instagram it gets you know 800 likes and 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 the majority of the people in the comments are either agreeing with it or saying like thank you for what you do and i'm getting messages from people like hey we're using your stuff in our roll call and our team puts on your videos and we watch them and like thank you like keep going yeah and then there's the other side where people with maybe no experience or people with, you know, experience have a complete opposite perspective. It's very interesting. And and it's like, so this video, right, that I did on the CQB recently, um, you know, I don't know what it's at now. I haven't looked. Let's say it's like 40,000 views. And let's say 1,000 comments and overwhelmingly positive comments. Mm-hmm. 
But like, then there's a couple where it's like, you don't know what you're talking about. It's like, that's confusing. <laughs> yeah. Because there's thousands of other people who enjoy it, like it, say, keep it up. And, um, I do kind of wonder what that is because it doesn't seem as if it's like, well, here's an, cause, cause if you were going to approach that situation with a different perspective and you had a better way of doing it or something, you would maybe engage in that conversation a little bit differently or, or, or say it about, well, Hey, like, did you think about this? You know, like, cause this could also happen, which that also does happen. But then there's just people that just say, you know, like, you know, you don't know what you're talking about or whatever. And it's like, and then I have like special forces guys in my, uh, you know, message, you know, former green beret, active law enforcement officer agreeing with me and telling me, thank you. You know, um, Israeli special forces guy, um, you know, on the last video posting. And I, I usually like clip those things and I kind of share them to my story to show people that I'm not just some rogue individual that's making up these things, uh, on a whim that I'm, I'm talking about, uh, I have some experience and I, yeah. I, and, and more than the experience, it's like, I could draw something up for you right now and ask you what you think is best. And then, you know, let's just say there's only four ways of doing it, right? Let's just, for whatever it is. And I could ask you like, which way do you think is best? And maybe you don't have the right answer, but I say, did you think about this? You're like, no, I didn't. So do you th- still think that's the best way? And you could be like, no, I actually think this is the best way now. Like without any experience in the thing, right? Yeah. But I think it's pretty obvious that I, the way that I do my videos, I try to make it not as entertaining, but make it as specific and demonstrational as possible because me and you sitting here talking about how to do a thing isn't all that great, you know, and that there's more likely, there's more of a likelihood that people have something to say about that versus when you show it and you put it on the screen and you like show the angles and you show things moving around. There's less, what I like to do in the videos is try to leave very little room for argument, not because there's a better way, but because it would be a disservice for me to show you or why I think this is the best way and not prove it in a way. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think though, that like in, in that, in that respect that, that, or in that regard, like that requires, the end user, like the person absorbing that material to, and, and it's like, I can't tell every, I can't tell every person to say, just, just be okay with it. Right. But like in the end, that's, that's what it, that's what it kind of boils down to. Right. Like, um, like I, 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 like my favorite saying is like, the only thing I know is that I know nothing. Right. And if I take that into every aspect, like I know nothing, if I address every bit of training, or everything is this as if I don't like I don't know nothing, um, or I know nothing. Uh, then I'm more, or I'm less likely to be resistant to it. And so I think there are times where, like I said, you're not you're not talking about like let's bring back the quick peek, let's bring back the like throw the flashlight in there, or let's you know we're like we're not talking about things that that we know with time have changed, right? Um, and and it's difficult for some people to like give up like to give up something that they they believe so like wholeheartedly in right and i and i understand that part right i I, like i understand that aspect because i would hate for somebody to come to me one day and be like you know you've been tying your shoes wrong 
your entire life. And I go, what are you talking about? Like, this is how you should do it. And I go, that's crazy. This is the way I've been tying my shoes for 38 years. Like, why would I change that? You know? And so for like, the, like that's, that's the example, right? And so sometimes you may do that where what you're bringing to the table is a new method to get the job done. That may be like, it, it's the best for what you believe it is. It's not the end all be all, but I don't think, and from, from my for me, having watched your stuff, I don't think that's what you're saying. I don't think you're like, this is the only way to do it. This is always a possibility. This is a, a, an option, you know, but this is a safe option. This is safer than, you know, or maybe like what you're doing is you're bringing up these theories and these, these arguments and not arguments for the sense of like, I want to start an argument, but you're saying, why not this way? Why not this? Like here's, and, and that's, that's how like every like for me that's how all like college like I can only relate it to my own experiences right I can't I can't relate like room clearing because I did it like way way in the way back when but like you're bringing up an argument you're making your your argument what you believe you're supporting it with evidence of like this is why this is what's going on these are things like you're not just saying, we'll do this because, because look at me, right? Like, and so I think in that, in that regard, like that's where that resistance to change, like it, it, it's, uh, some, sometimes you like, you have to kind of put your ego aside. You know, that's what I said. Like, you know, put things aside and it's hard to do because I struggle with it, you know, in my own daily stuff. Um, but like, you also have to kind of acknowledge these things. Like, I know that's what I struggle with. It's easy for me to sit here and talk to you and be like, yeah, man, you know, sometimes it's the only thing I know is that I know nothing. But then there are times where I'm like, I know what I'm talking about and I may not. Uh, and that's when after like, like, like what you do sometimes hits like emotional, like, and it, and it, and it creates those emotional responses. That's, that's where like, I, um, I will do that from time to time and I have to like be aware of that and I have to kind of go, all right, take a step back, take a few deep breaths and then we'll readdress this another day or we'll do. And like, um, I, I was guilty of it a long time. Like I'd see something I didn't like and I would be like, oh, this is dumb. I don't know why you're, you know, what, what are you talking about? And you get in arguments just for the sake of getting in arguments. But, um, you know, I, I think there's, you know, I, I, like I said, I think you have to kind of put aside the ego and not you in particular. I'm just saying in general, right? Like you see something that kind of challenges your, your perception or like what you believe, like your truth, like your, what you believe in. Um, and you have to kind of put that aside, see what, and like I said, see what it is, like what, what's the content, what's the reason, like, and then you go that method with it. But you can you can put that same methodology into anything, right? Like into daily work, you see something that challenges your personal beliefs, and you go, okay, well, let me see where this person's coming from. Let me do this. Let me do like, right? Yeah, and I I like I gave away my my secret uh, methodology into deciding whether or not around tactics, whether or not what you're doing is the the preferred or best way of doing that. And that's, you know, when faced with somebody who's actually trying to kill you, um, you know, and who is ready to kill you, right? 
if that's not the standard, then it doesn't matter what you do. Like you can do whatever you want. How you get there doesn't really matter. I mean, if he's not waiting to actually shoot you, then you can enter however you would like. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like the, a cartwheel or something. Yeah. I can't do a cartwheel. So I would just probably like, you know, yeah, skip maybe on like in. one skip. Yeah. Before I dislocate my knee. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I guess I did say this all in that video, but, um, and so the, the question becomes when that exists, cause that's the biggest problem we could really face. And, and it's like, so everybody, every, you know, man that carries a gun would probably say like, yeah, we need to deal with that as soon as we possibly could. And so where is that moment within what you're talking about and teaching and the vehicle class that I teach the reason I teach it and the way that I teach it and why I teach it is because I believe that that is the fastest way to deliver that round to that person who's trying to hurt you. Yeah. And if there is another way, um, which the only actual way that I could perceive is if we drove around without windshields, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then I would say, why even do all this other stuff? Because if we put it on a timer and so like one of the videos that I show in my class or going to show in my class is me going through all these other processes to get that round there and, and show visually that all these other ways take significantly longer period of time to do that. And that's why we're here, you know, like, mm -hmm. Oh, and that kind of sums it up. Like th there's no other way to rationalize, um, when that's the standard, why we would do anything different. Um, so I put that on the Instagram for people to like use that as their own metric when you're standing around looking at something or you're being taught something, you know, and I've had people like experienced people like tell me when it was a like, kind of a corner fed room or the, the, the corner had to be checked, even though it was very shallow and, you know, just to make sure there wasn't somebody standing there. Um, and how I had approached, I'd basically determined that there was likely nobody there. Like, and so if there was somebody here, I believe like kind of in that Navy SEAL video, right? Mm -hmm. I, I took this part out of there, but I, I got into why did he go left, right? When he got there? Well, mm -hmm. because, you know, he had a similar situation where there could be somebody standing right there to the right. Mm -hmm. You couldn't see in that. In the corner. You couldn't yeah. see that. But if you had to, probabilities, likelihoods, and statistics, if you had to take a big guess, especially in training when they set these things up, usually in certain ways, Never are they going to put somebody directly in contact with you because there could be a conflict of like they're shooting blanks. So they're, they're automatically not going to set up somebody like that could possibly point blank shoot you with a blank. Yeah. Um, and so that is kind of like a gamey part of that. Uh, but also just thinking about it, if like if we just stood there and looked at it, like, okay, you saw all of this. You saw the only thing you haven't seen to the right is 10%. There's about 75% of the room that's left to the left. Yeah. Which way are you going to go? Reasonable person that kind of thinks about these things would be like, I'd rather go left because there's this bigger area, more mm -hmm. more places for people to hide. Um, but I've had experienced people, you know, I go in as the one man and I use that, you know, what I think is a sensible, rational uh, decision to go left instead of right. And, you know, was kind of like critiqued, like even though I was the one man and you're never wrong, kind of critiqued yeah. like you should have went the other way. And I'm like, I explained my reasoning yeah. and, and the guy was to the left, by the way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, and he's like, well, you should have went the other way because then you made me button hook or whatever. And I'm like, well, I, first of all, one man's never wrong. Secondly, um, though your way takes us longer to deliver the round to the person. Mm -hmm. And by that time I'm already shot in the back of the head. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it was just argued. It just kept being argued. I just gave, I didn't, I didn't argue. I just kind of like let it go. Um, 
but you know the rational rationale behind that is well there's more guns into the fight and i'm like well no there's no guns into the fight <laughs> or, or, or your gun is into the fight late yeah. and i'm laying on the ground yeah um and that's kind of like the more realistic uh aspect to that um and last night on the live there was another person who i had it drawn up just like i kept the board that i made the video with and mm -hmm. somebody was on the live and they were again like i explained the the standard and how we get there and this is the quickest way to do it and he was resistant to that and said more guns into the fight i'm like but you're missing the point because both of you went to your opposite corners and the dude was already shooting and you never got there yeah you know if we're basing it off luck you know what yeah. i mean like okay he just missed or whatever or he shot me in my vest so i can actually shoot back but yeah in a lot of these instances and in the next video or one of the videos i'm going to do about like dealing with people inside of vehicles is a lot of times you see cops are just way too close or they're standing at the vehicle trying to like control somebody or whatever. And you have like very limited time to identify and make a decision. Yeah. Um, and you don't have, and what's going to happen when the standard exists, which is a bad guy who's dedicated and ready to shoot you is that first round is going to be coming at you or in mm -hmm. your direction. And you're like, oh, yeah, but I'm in a good position to shoot him. It's like, yeah, but the first round is already gone. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. like it's it just didn't hit you, I guess, because you're still talking about how you shot back, um, which is a big thing. And, you know, I, I I've had a lot of people that are messaging me or whatever and talking about that. And like, I think like some of the things. Well, I think going through all of the training that I've been through myself, maybe not being able to have these conversations and then like, like, have we really thought about this? Like, why don't we set this up and we could test it. You know what I mean? Like I've done that before, like shooting through the windshield. And that was like kind of another thing that was very, I'm like, I don't feel like if we set our vehicles up this way, if a lethal threat comes out, we shoot through the windshield, we can actually hit the person. And it turned out you can't, which is another video that I show in my class yeah. that, well, not that you can't, but that it's not based off of skill. It's based off of just whether you hit him or not, like luck, right? Mm -hmm. He's moving, you're shooting, right? Each round's a new hole, right? And you would think like when you're, you know, like exposed to that, that would make you go, hey, like, how do we get the rounds on the bad guy faster at more of a guarantee? But that doesn't always happen because of what you've talked about. Yeah. I mean, like I said, uh, like as far as tactics go, I'm, I'm uh, the, the least uh, knowledgeable, like, right? Like, but, I, uh, you know, I've, I've taken my fair share of classes. I've, you know seen plenty of things and 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 you know the one thing i can say is like we can set these things up in, in like the 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 difference with with some of the like with training in general that i see though is that like once again there's always that element of the unknown like we don't know what this person's going to do we like there there are certain incalculable um variables that will change every time every scenario nothing is ever the same so even if we train it one way you train this one way this will never happen this will always like we're going to do this and we're going to plan it to a t like you've you have either created a scenario where um scripted basically yeah where now if something gets thrown off we don't know what to do because this isn't this wasn't in the training this wasn't the way we we thought things were going to go so what do we do now um, or like, depending on, on the mentality is we've created this scenario, we've scripted this, we've trained for this particular, but we also understand that there's a variable here. And that if that happens, like we've implemented those contingencies into that 
training. Hey, this is this is what we're planning on doing in the event that this goes bad. We are we'll revert to this, you know, the like primary, secondary, tertiary, like emergency, like circumstance. Like the, if 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 all these things have failed, we will go to this. But I, I do think sometimes there's this like mentality of like this is the only way to do it, or this is the right way to do it, or like, um, and and I I'm speaking from the from the perspective of like not tactics, but we can apply it to that, right? Like I look at it from just critical thinking, right? Somebody comes, like you see somebody walking down the street and you're like, oh, that, that, that's a homeless man. Oh, you know, he's, he, he's probably on drugs and, and everything that you've known, like all the conditioning, all the, the, the things that you've grown up to know would tell you that that man or that woman or whoever the homeless person is, is probably psychotic with, you know, uh, some sort of substance abuse or substance dependency, alcoholism, something like that. And they are now, you know, in this situation and, and they, they did it to themselves that, you know, I, I'm not going to give that homeless person money cause they, um, they're probably going to just buy more drugs or buy alcohol with it. And, you know, there's always the, like the, what if like the rabbit holes, like, well, that person could have been, a NASA engineer that got hard up on their time and lost everything. And, and especially for like where I worked at the beginning, like that was a thing, right? Like we would have people that were like geniuses that, you know, in 2008, that housing market crash, like that just ruined a lot of people. So you would see people like I, there was one lady that was a cheerleader for a football team. And then you see her and you look at the ID and you see her and you're like, there's no way it's the same person. They'd gotten an alcohol dependency and just their life got like wrecked. But, um, you know, uh, like that, I call it like linear thinking. Like there's only, there's A will lead to B, will lead to C, will do this, 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 and so on and so forth. There's never any possibility. There's never any other thought. There's never any other avenue to approach a thing. Like when you do that, that causes, I think, some issues because then when, when something challenges that reality or that perceived belief or your perception, right? Like then you don't know what to do. You go, like, that's where people get shocked, right? Or people like you have that surprise or that aha moment. And you're just kind of like, Oh my God, I never would have thought of that. Or I never thought this, or I never thought that like those moments and instances that challenge like your established beliefs um, come from like not being open to, thought not being open to the idea of like, the only thing I know is I know nothing. Right. Like, like being, uh, accepting of, of another possibility. And like, I, I related to, um, before I joined the police department, I worked at a elementary school. Uh, it was like lower income. Um, uh, and we would go do visits at some of the houses. And I remember telling this person, like, man, like, look at these houses, like the houses were run down. I mean, they're older houses, older part of town, but I was like, man, look at these houses. But like these people have these like really nice explorers and expeditions and all these really nice cars. And I'm like, like, why don't they just like get a cheap car and move out? And they told me they're like, you know, like, think about this. That may be their only mode of transportation. And they weren't like slabs or nothing like that. They weren't like, you know, tricked out car. They were just really nice cars. Like, 
I didn't even have a car that nice, but they told me, they're like, you know, some of these people, that's their only mode of transportation. So it has to be reliable. Like, wow, that really like stood out to me. Like it challenged what my perceived belief was that maybe that they valued their car more than they valued their home, but it was more out of necessity. They had to have something reliable. And so like when you put that in the idea, idea of like tactics and like that tactical space, like things will challenge your reality. Things will challenge what you believe and what you've learned. Like once again, we're not saying you have to take it. You're not saying you have to take it, but it's something that you can look at and go, okay, well, how does this either better my situation, better my knowledge, expand my knowledge, open up avenues of possibilities? Because like I said, like we can train for one scenario. I could train for a hundred different scenarios, or I could train with the, with the belief or with the knowledge that like things can change in a moment, things can change at any instant and like be able to have these things in the back of your head, like in the back of your head, have, cause like for us, even like on a traffic stop, right? Like a, a, a regular call could be something completely different, right? And you don't want to have that like, well, what do I do now? Oh, how do I, how do I do this? What do I do? Like now this thing, like sometimes you just got to go, okay, based off of like, and this is like in the snap of a finger, right? Everything I've done in the past, everything that I know, I'm pulling from these different uh, spots in my brain and my, my knowledge to develop and come up with a solution within an instant. So I don't like, I don't necessarily agree with like the rejection to something new, to something challenging, like, uh, what the belief is or like what, what I know, um, you know, in, in that regard, like it, like, right. You're just learning something new, whether or not you ever use it, that's up to you. Yeah. So I'll kind of wrap it up with this. So, um, when, when you have no baseline understanding of what it is you're getting yourself into. So like you're a new cop, everything is new, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll try to relate this more to training, but everything is new. And as time goes on, what starts to happen is you should develop a mentality where you're not everything is new, but you're still learning new things about the stuff that you think you you know pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as more time goes on, depending on how far you get into the thing, like, you know, in my case, tactics and training and things that I teach, like if I'm going to provide a, a course on something, um, then I should be at the point where I'm, I'm not learning new things as frequently about the thing that I'm teaching or talking about as I used to. Yeah. Right. Because, that means it's not like maybe not as solid as you thought it was. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and like you said, for what I advise people to do is experience a number of different things. And and like you talked about when you go and take a class by somebody, there isn't a single trained person who goes and takes a class by any person of any skill level and goes, I'm going to stop doing all the stuff that I've learned in the past. I'm going to do what this guy's telling me to do. That's not Mm -hmm. how it works because you're drawing, you know, when he's talking about what you're doing, what you're going to be doing, you're thinking about the things that you've already been taught and the way that you've been doing it. And you're comparing the two. Yeah. And then, you know, like there's, there's maybe bits, if you're lucky, you might take one thing from there that you apply to what you've been doing and realize like, Oh wow. Like this is actually helped me. Right. 
Um, the example I use is like doing something with my support hand when I shoot my pistol that somebody showed me like a year ago and I had been shooting, you know, pistols for not that long, but like eight years or whatever, seven years. Um, and it helped me. And, you know, that's a good example because plenty of people can shoot well, but you're always like trying to get better. Um, and, mm -hmm. and like, you know, JJ Rakaza, like I went to a class by him and he taught some things. I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's neat. I'm going to start doing that. Um, and I think that's the best thing to do. And especially when we talk about like tactics and law enforcement and moving around and doing things, if you have only one way of doing it, because that's the way that you like to do it and you don't seek out new experiences, you might end up in a situation like, I guess every cop does where you, you're, you have nowhere to draw from. Like you're just drawing from what you've been doing. Like you have very limited amount of tools in your toolbox. And so you might end up standing in a hallway looking at closed doors because you're so against like having a shield. Right. Mm -hmm. And then like, you're like, well, maybe you never realized because no one ever shoots at you. So you're like, this is valid. Yeah. Okay. This is, I feel good. You know, pointing my rifle at these closed doors. Um, and, and then like, well, maybe you were like, well, I like the shield, but only at the breach point, you know, and then you get into a situation where you're in the house and like something's happening. You're like, man, I wish we had the shield. Hey, go get the shield. And now you're not thinking that way anymore. Now you're thinking, okay, it's not just valuable at the breach point. It's valuable. It could be valuable as we move around. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's, it's important to learn as much as you can and, and take what you, you like and just don't take what you don't like yeah yeah no i mean like i said you're, you're not you're not teaching like uh, you know uh like you're not teaching stuff that like like we have this like uh, how would you say like the state like there's a like you said a standard right you're not talking about like um i'm gonna i'm gonna walk in front of the firing line and y'all this is how you're gonna learn trigger control is i'm gonna just you know, you've seen the video where the dude's like running in front. Like, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about things that are just like objectively like they're like unreasonable. Like, like, uh, you know, there are things that we would say, like, don't bring back the quick peek. Like, the, we're not talking about that, though. We're not talking about like, um, you know, like 1950 style or like if you ever seen some of these old like war videos, uh, like the, the training videos of how to like shoot your rifle you know they do the like chicken wing bladed stance like some of these um like these old school tactics old school shooting styles and stuff like we're not talking about like bringing that stuff back you're not talking about that it, it's more like like if if somebody were to, to to come today that was swat in 1990 or whatever and was like hey this is this is what i'm showing people how to do this is like People today would be like, that's crazy, you know, but some of those guys learned based off of the foundations from those guys. And those like the next generation is going to learn from the foundation laid by the current. Right. So like there's always this like evolution. Right. And and it's in everything. Evolution is in everything. We can't say that it, it's not. So why it doesn't like why doesn't it now not apply to training? Right. We've evolved from halogen flashlights like when i first got on like having like having a weapon light was it was a no-go like you couldn't do it you know and that was just that was because why you know you had your you had your flashlight um you know we've we've jumped considerably in the things that make the job easier like we've advanced and for for a good like a good part right now we're doing things that you know we could never have thought of 
I, I look at it like now, you know, across the board, like you see officers across the nation with their like first aid kits. Like if we did that when I first got on, they'd be like, what are you like? What are you doing? Like, why would you do that? But it's now common practice, you know, uh, open cuff or open top pistol mags and you know ar mags like people would go like okay who like are you going to war against the taliban like now it's a common thing right like now that we we like we see that on every officer across the nation so it's an evolution right so why not why not embrace it yeah i i I also posted this in one of my posts i said every generation looks back on the previous generation of the things that they were doing and says that was dumb yeah. Yeah. And um and so like it's not too far off to think that the things that we're being taught or training or you know we're we're thinking about it in in our era. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And there's going to be people that come about and absent of even technology but just people that are thinking a little bit more, you know, have are looking at it and say you know, provide something new and that will catch on and that'll be the thing and then people will be like what you guys are doing what? Like that's crazy. Yeah. You know, like um so yeah. I don't want to get into what those things are. There's some, but they will keep us here even longer. Yeah. Just tell people to look back at their old high school photos and be like, oh, and then that's the, that's the best example. That's stupid. Like, look at yourself back t- 10 years ago. You know, that, that was dumb. So. Yeah. Wow. Well, two hours. Almost. Oh, wow. So I wonder if I'll be able to split this up or have to do it all in one. But either way, it's going to take me a while to edit this. But thanks for coming by. No problem. Sorry it took so long. I, I talked a lot, man. When you were coming here, I said, don't park in front of my Lambo. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Sorry I about that. Did. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully they didn't tow it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's going to be it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Um, appreciate everybody that's doing all the, the commenting and the liking and all that stuff. It's really helping out. Um, you, If you're looking for training in Texas, you can go to kineticconceptsgroup.com. You'll find all the socials to the uh, websites at the top of that web page. If you're interested in joining a law enforcement oriented community, um, you can send me an email at instructors at kineticconceptsgroup.com. Or if you go to kineticconceptsgroup.com, you can request an invitation and I'll send you the link to the community. We have like 114 officers in there right now. Um, and there's going to be free, you know, free courses, online courses, things like that. And uh, a varying uh, variety of different people, officers, troopers, SWAT people, some paramedics in there where you kind of remove the social side, the social media side, where you're trying to navigate to like, well, who's interested and where is the community? And we're not really helping each other here, are we? You know, we're just consuming. Um, And then like, you know, so if you want to be part of that, you know where to find it. We got crews coming.